Hi, thanks for stopping by. My name's Kevin. One of my passions is sharing God's Word every week with people. So however you're listening in, I hope you're able to join us and reply back through email or messaging. Let me know if you have any questions, but I thank you for listening in and I hope you'll be blessed with these words. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to your brother, Raka, which is an Aramaic term that isn't, isn't a nice one, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore if, you have an off, if, if, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your ad- adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on, on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said... Anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. These are the words of our Lord Jesus still speaking today. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. The Sermon on the Mount that we're listening to today takes place early in the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. And the people Jesus was speaking to was preaching to, you could say. They saw and they understood 
their relationship with God through covenant laws. And Jesus here is showing how his interpretation of the Old Testament is in contrast to how the religious leaders of that day were teaching it. How they were faultily interpreting the Old Testament law. Jesus is preparing people, those people, for the coming new covenant. We talked about that a little bit last week. He's revealing that the whole intent and idea of the law is to nurture relationships. And he's deliberately exaggerating. He's he's emphasizing, he wants people to understand it's about our devotion, our single-hearted devotion to God. If your right hand causes you to stumble, gap, you know, cut it off, throw it away. If your right eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and throw it away. He's using hyperbole and to make a point. That really was kind of highlighted a little bit in the Old Testament reading that Sam read from Deuteronomy. Part of the ministry of Jesus Christ was to slowly unveil the differences between the Old Testament and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant that's coming. He's saying that disciples, followers of Jesus, his followers need to have a a daily urgency about maintaining healthy relationships, both with other believers and other people. Last week I talked about how the Old Covenant and New Covenant, we have almost a dividing line in our Bibles, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament has the New Covenant between God and His people. The Old Testament foretold its coming. The New Testament is the fulfillment. Jesus is the fulfillment of those prophecies. Even though we're people of the New Covenant, the New Testament, we don't just throw out the Old Testament. We don't disregard it. As Paul says, it all, all Scripture is breathed out by God and has purpose and meaning for us. And in God's Word, there's all kinds of different literature. You know, we have historical narrative, God's story of working through His people in the Old Testament. Wisdom literature, the the Proverbs of how to live a better life. Poetry. The Psalms are almost like poetry. They're, They're mates, they can be remembered. They're used in hymns in the Old Testament church. The stories of Jesus and His teachings. And then the letters written after Jesus ascended to help the first Christians understand how they're supposed to relate to people and God. And having a basic understanding of what we're reading or hearing really helps us understand. I think a lot of times we read something it's like, this doesn't make sense. So we want to try and have a basic understanding And when I looked at the scriptures for today, the lectionary gives us four scriptures every day. A a psalm, an Old Testament, the gospel, and an epistle usually. I really wanted to have them all read because I want to try and connect because they're often. They all have similarities in their messaging. Maybe an underlying 
point they're trying to make. The Old Testament reading for today, it's a wonderful passage. God is preparing the people. Moses is going to die soon. God has already chosen Joshua to be his successor. He's saying, here's what I want you to tell them before they go into the promised land. And he's really giving them a very simple message. You can break it down by saying, hey, God has set before you life and prosperity or death and destruction. And we know from reading God's word in history that they chose the way of destruction. They couldn't follow God's ways, his commandments for them. And what I find about that passage from Deuteronomy that Sam read from the 30th chapter is God knew when Moses was preaching that, when God gave those words to Moses, he knew the people would fail. (laughs) He knew they couldn't be obedient. The commands and the rules that God had given through Moses were meant to help people relate to God and one another. And yet he calls Joshua and Moses in the next chapter, 31, um, verses 15 and 16. It says, The Lord appeared at the tent in the pillar of the cloud, and the cloud stood over the entrance to the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, You are going to rest with your ancestors, and these people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land they are entering. They will forsake me and break the covenant I made with them. God knew the people would fail with a system based on commands and rules. Choose life and prosperity or death and destruction. They chose death and destruction by not following God's commands. And as we read through God's word from the very beginning, it seems like it's a repetition of God giving commands, rules. Here, Don't do this. And it continues from the Garden of Eden Eden, throughout the Old Testament times into the times of Jesus into our times today. Throughout the history of the Jewish faith and our Christian faith it's pretty evident that God's commands are clear. They're written down. We can find them in our Bibles. But what that Bible shows us that God's people left alone by themselves are incapable of following God's will and commands. And the incarnation, God becoming part of humanity, was and is what has broken the separation between God and the people. Jesus, in His earthly ministry, is revealing God, God's nature, and His intent for people. The Spirit leads us today. And if you notice that everything that Jesus mentioned in today's teaching is dealing about relationships with other people. The crowds, the people who have been following Jesus, if you've been watching or you've watched The Chosen at all, again, I just recommend from the very beginning, just watch through it. I'm getting to the point where Jesus is preparing Himself to give the Sermon on the Mountain These people are coming. Some need healing. Some have heard His teaching. They want to hear more. Some have just heard rumors. But these people are all gathered together because of Jesus. Although they might have different reasons, they're all there 
to see Jesus. Much like we gather on Sunday mornings. And we all have different needs and why we gather on a Sunday morning. And it can be different times of our life we have different needs. And that's because we're all on different pathways of life. And we're all at different levels of faith that can go up and down. In that passage from 1 Corinthians that Charlene read earlier, Paul's writing to those faithful people in Corinth. He had spent a couple of years with them building up the church, the ecclesia, the people. He departed, and now a few years later there's problems in the church. He's writing, he writes several letters. We have two in God's Word. People think there might be more. He's saying, here's the problems that I'm made aware of. Sometimes you have to speak specifically about a problem. Here it's just general. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. I love how Paul uses that analogy of the infant needing milk before solid food. Paul's saying, I didn't teach you everything because you weren't ready for everything. There's a lot more to know. But then he goes on, For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Yeah, Paul, that's what we are. As someone mentioned, here we are 2,000 years later and we're still have jealousy and quarreling in our faith communities. But if you notice in Paul's reading today, there isn't a mention that you're not following commandment number one, two, and six. No, he's not criticizing them for that. He's focusing on how they're relating to each other. The New Testament, the New Covenant Church, is not defined by rules and commandments, but with our relationship with God and other people. We start out as infants in our faith. And God wants us to grow. Grow in our understanding so we can chew on more solid food. And we need to grow so our faith and our life doesn't get stagnant. Each of us has our own separate pathway of life and faith. We're connected to one another and God through the Spirit of Christ Jesus. God shows us that it's not about outward compliance but inward change in our hearts. Jesus, when he was saying that, he said, You've heard it said you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus doesn't want religious fanatics. He wants people that are transformed by God's love. It's an inward working outward. Faith is meant to be a journey of transformation and change, not a race to the finish line. i got to understand, I know it all. Because I found, and I'm guessing some of you have, that once you, once you think you have it all figured out about faith and life, God is going to eventually lead you somewhere and show you something that might change your mind. 
There's always more to understand about our life and our faith, our relationship with God. And Matthew 19, later in the Gospel of Matthew, there's a story of a rich young man who comes to Jesus. He says, hey, Jesus, I've kept all of God's commandments. What else must I do? Jesus tells him, if you want to be perfect, sell all your possessions, give that money to the poor, and come follow me. And it says in the text that he goes away sad. Because he had great wealth. Doesn't say what happens. All we know is that Jesus confronted him with another way to grow in his faith. And as we move throughout our lives and our faith, we will be challenged to take the next step towards holiness, or as John Wesley called it, sanctification. They're kind of the same thing. We view God's commandments and God's ways not as restrictions, but rather as prescriptions. Prescriptions that help us heal and will lead us to the fullness of life. In a sense, God's commands are not meant to constrict us, but to set us free from the boundaries that we post in our own lives and faith. Being obedient is not just doing as one is told. Obedience means also to listen, which involves more than just hearing and doing. Faith is not just about obeying God. It's about loving God, like Daphne, Daphne talked about in her Kingdom Words message. It's about loving God and loving people. That's what faith is about. Obedience is a process that helps us involves not only our mind, I'm going to do this, and our will, but also, and probably most importantly, the heart. We're obedient because of love, God's love. Our faith walk is never going to be complete. Well, not until we walk through those pearly gates. We're always going to be going forward, maybe taking steps backward but we're always going to be challenged to learn more and understand more throughout our lives. And as we walk our lives of faith, will people recognize you by the way you walk? There's a a Christian hymn that says, they'll know we're Christians by our love. They also know that we're Christians by the way we live, by the way we talk by the way we walk and by what the way we walk talk the walk the talk by the way we walk the talk if our faith is real people are going to sense it they're going to know we're not just putting on a show because it's coming from our hearts if it's real they might even ask how to they how can i walk with jesus like you do <coughs> We don't want to let our challenges in life and challenges in our faith keep us from walking and following Jesus Christ. God challenges us to walk in the way of Jesus. And as we walk in the ways of Jesus Christ, we draw closer to God. Always remember, faith is meant to be a a walk, not a race to the finish line. Amen.